1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. An Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Good morning and thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us for Southern Remedy. Relatively speaking, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I'm Professor of Pediatrics and Today, we are going to talk about excess. So, question to you listeners, when is enough enough? We are in the U.S. continually reminded of things that we should want, that we think that we should need, right? Cars, jewelry, better clothes, more food, bigger houses, our cars, our kids need more toys, more money, Um, The teenagers now drive new cars instead of those used Pintos that we used to drive. Even the fast food restaurants really implore us to have more, right? Do you want to supersize this? Small, medium, large. The large is always a better deal. So we should get that better deal, right? More is better. And then, during the holidays, the pitch is at a frenzy. Many of us fall into that frenzy. We go over our budget. We become models of excess. Too much food, too much drink. Even when we can't afford it, we buy too much. So, I'm going to say one more thing before I welcome our producer in. Um, I'm going to confuse things a little bit. The issue is also that neuroscientists tell us that seeking is a core instinct in the human brain. All mammals have a seeking system, and we're one of them. Um, You know, we've talked about the neurotransmitter dopamine being linked to reward and pleasure in our brains, but it's also involved in coordinating and planning activities. So, if we're striving for something bigger and better, um, our dopamine kicks in. When we get it, we have a pleasurable response. So, it's human nature to seek. So, how do we avoid excess? How do we continue to reward ourselves and live life fully um, if we are supposed to be seeking things but wanting things and and having excess is sometimes bad for us so listeners I'm throwing that out to you um, Jay good morning good morning um, so we were talking a little bit about this last week about excess when is enough enough I think Everybody this time of the year feels a little frenetic about where we're going and what we're doing with the hospitals and with the holidays. I said hospitals, wow. Um, So I guess um, my question to to you and to, to everyone out there is, have you been able to get a control of determining when enough is enough? Um, you know, I, I hear occasionally some people who have, have completely changed their mindset and are going to the minimal, minimalist um, direction, but I don't think many people are because we continue to see what's happening out there with more and more spending and more and more purchasing. I don't know, Jay, where are you in all this?
3: Uh, I think it's interesting part of what you said. I I think that American culture kind of in the way that it's mm, presented through media kind of teaches folks from a very young age to pursue a life of excess that you you haven't uh, you're not accomplishing you're not you're, you're not smart enough you don't make enough unless you can live in all of this excess and then you go to Facebook and it's doubled down by folks shaping up their lives in a perfect type of way with all the fancy pictures of the kids and everybody smiling like that ever happens all at the same time and you know so that's it's kind of uh it's 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 kind of what we're fed into from an expectation mm-hmm. standpoint i think our uh, not to continue this from the last show but i i think our 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 political parties all of them both of them practice excess i think each tries to gain control and then and then tilt the rules in a way that continues to benefit them and them alone and specifically not anybody else that might disagree with them and so you know at what point have you made your point you know, with with regard to that. And like I said, I'm not trying to pick a side on that. I think whoever is in charge is the one that's trying to tilt all the rules in their direction. I think it's almost like at this point, there's so much of that that you can't afford not to play the game. And it's the same thing with 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 society and and, and social cues and driving the right car, or having the right job. You know, your kids having the right clothes or going to the right school or, or something like that or looking the right way on Sunday when you go to church in front of everybody. Uh, So I think there's a a lot of ways that excess plays out in our day-to-day lives.
2: It really does. And and I think, you know, just always wanting more can really make us unhappy. And I want us to step through why, why wanting more is different than seeking enhancement in your life. Um, And I I think sometimes we confuse wanting more material possessions
0: Mm.
2: or more status as the same thing or equal to seeking improvement in our lives. And so
3: let me just set Mm -hmm. the
2: stage for this because I'd love for others to join in. Okay, why does wanting more make us so unhappy? Well, there are, there are a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, if you are not, if you presently live in a home and you want it, you want a bigger home, then immediately you've created dissatisfaction, dissatisfaction in what you have right then. So that dissatisfaction often can breed unhappiness, right, in our our present state. So we're not appreciating what we have. We are starting to strive for more. And, you know, we can put that on a smaller scale um, rather than a house if you just look at the shoes you have. If you have three nice pair of shoes, but... You succumb to uh, a <laughs> commercial that you need uh, another nicer pair of shoes. Then you become dissatisfied with the the three that you have, and you need to add to that. And I think it can be a ripple effect in almost anything in life. Now, the difference as human as human beings to seek things um, in our lives. As I've already said, neuroscientists have said that's that's just us. We are always going to seek something. But does that mean seek material possessions? Does that mean going out to a fancy restaurant instead of cooking at home? No, not necessarily. Seeking might mean that you are seeking enhancement in your life through Better appreciation of nature, deeper knowledge, increasing a relationship, um, contributing more to a charitable organization, um, and therefore seeking the good feeling in that. So, as we step through, I'd like to hear, I'm going to throw out a few questions to you listeners Do you find that you have difficulty being satisfied with what you have and want more? Do you think that maybe the fact that you grew up with little, that you thought the better life for your children was to give them more? And did you fall into that trap? I think there are many people out there who do that. And then what do you think about the pressure that society puts on creating excess? Do you think it's gotten worse than it used to be? So I'd love to hear from you. You can send an email to family at org. We're just talking about how can we be happy? How can we seek life to be better for us? without thinking that we need to seek more material possessions in our lives. Thanks for being with us on Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Jay White, my producer, and we're talking about excess and um, the fact that though it's human nature to always seek more, um, does it have to be material possessions? And, you know, there is clear data out there with many surveys and other information that just having a lot of money, being wealthy, does not impart happiness. And in fact, there's some data out there that says sort of the opposite. Many times um, it's the seeking and not the obtaining that causes happiness. And so once you get it, whether it's that that child with the fancy clothes or the fancy car that their parent gave them, or whether it's the adult with the huge house, um, often doesn't impart happiness at all. And if you start thinking about what makes you the most happy, you'll probably think rarely that it is um, material possession um, and, and Jay as we step through this conversation I think you know some general examples are, are probably good for us all to start thinking about what in our life lives, makes us smile makes us really happy and really brings joy is that is it? Is it that um, fancy car or is it perhaps something else? And, but Jay, I'm going to turn to you, mm-hmm. and then I'll give you my, my joyful times. But what makes you happiest?
3: Oh, my goodness. That is such an open-ended question that I was not prepared for. Um, I was about to hit you with a, with a question in, uh, okay. in terms of uh, excess. So I, I guess what made me uh, think about this topic originally was when the Powerball uh, tripped over a billion dollars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it kept getting higher and kept getting higher. And I drive past several of those billboards on the highway on the way into work every morning. And I just remember when it tripped over to a billion, I thought to myself, oh, somebody must have won it because the, you know, the the little scoreboard on there, the digital scoreboard doesn't have space for a billion. Uh, so they changed the wording underneath it and it goes back to just one the number one and I was like oh that looks so much worse than like 979 million but it's more than a billion dollars if you win a billion dollars in the lottery what are you spending that on what does a person do with a billion dollars yeah you know what what, what's the first thing you think of who are the first people you take care of when do you when do you throw a halt to the spending how much spending do you do I know there's got to be people out here listening who, if they're handed a billion-dollar ticket, the first thing they would do is throw it all in the bank and not touch any of it. And it's like, wait a minute, it's a billion dollars. You could spend a whole bunch of that and never touch how much you'll need for the rest of your life and your kids and their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' 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 kids. You know what I'm saying? And so that, as that Powerball jackpot escalated that that percolated with me for several weeks as i watched that number climb and climb and climb on the highway as I passed it each and every day and even when you're driving to Louisiana and Texas that same number follows you all over the interstate system no matter where you go so I always wondered uh you know a question like that
2: well you know I think um actually I've talked about this with others a bit and and you and I have touched on this in the past you know uh Just to make sure everybody understands, a billion dollars is a thousand million. A
3: thousand millions.
2: A thousand million (laughs) dollars. And so think of if you just separated that out um, and that a thousand people got a million dollars. There again, statistics have shown that mega lottery winners typically do not end up being more happy. In fact, many times there are individuals who have said that that ruined, essentially ruined their lives. And so to, again, those those huge number of dollars do not help. And before we get to our first caller, I know Sue in Beaumont is on the line. I want to point out something. Do you know what the the happiest country in the world is. We've talked about this years ago on this show, and and it continues to be the same country um, over over the many years. Um,
3: Sweden, Denmark, Switzerland. uh, Finland. Finland. I I grabbed the wrong Norwegian country.
2: Finland, Denmark, Switzerland, (laughs) Iceland, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden. Yep. You know where the US is.
3: Uh fifty something.
2: <laughs> not fifty, but nineteen. Oh. Okay. But the wealthiest the wealthiest nation is what?
3: Ooh. I'm not sure.
2: That's us. Is it the really? US. Yep. We're still the wealthiest. But far from the happiest. Now, that's kind of sad. We rank um, below Israel, Germany, Canada, Ireland, Costa Rica, UK, and the Czech Republic. Okay? Hmm. So, we are on down there, even though we are the wealthiest. So, you know, I think that just points, points out something there. Well, let's go on to the phones and see what Sue has to say today. Hi, Sue. Good morning. How are (laughs) y'all? Doing doing all right. I I don't know if you can hear me on this
0: landline phone. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. Well, I I was raised very poor. We were very poor, and uh, things like jewelry and, and fancy cars and lot, having lots of money it does not appeal to me at all. It just does appeal to me. If I won a lottery and want like millions of dollars, I would try to fund St. Jude and Shriners Hospital for as long as the money would last, you know. I mean, something like that, I just really don't, I don't care about material things like that. If I can put on a pot of beans in the crock pot and make a bowl of cornbread, I'm, ter- I'm totally happy. And what makes me happy is not money but to be able to sit in my wheelchair and look out the kitchen window at night when the moon is full and see that full moon come up and go up climb up through the pine trees and just look at the full moon outside and listen to the birds sing just simple things like that but people, people don't know how to deny themselves people now they think oh I've got this. it doesn't matter if you can afford it people want to buy things it's a sickness it's a sickness of the mind because it doesn't take that to make you happy. I mean, if you, if you buy something you can't afford, I don't see how that could make you happy knowing that you owe money on something you can't afford, you know. To me, that's that's uh, really stupid. You, if you can't afford something, don't buy it. And it doesn't bother me at all if I can't afford a, 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 a fancy car. I don't care about a fancy
2: car. It's just you have to be happy with what you have. And it doesn't take so, much to make it. Well, Sue, your point... Your point is one that I think many psychologists have have looked at because obviously many times people are in therapy because they're unhappy. Now sometimes that unhappiness, that depression or anxiety is secondary to a neurochemical imbalance. But many times um, unhappiness is generated through Through difficulty with accepting where you are in life, difficulty in being happy with what you have, and not living in the moment. And Sue is pointing out living in the moment and how important that truly is to appreciate the here and now, and that's that's sort of, we've talked about mindfulness therapy, that's where that's been generated over the years, and that's where it comes from, is if you are so worried about thinking what can happen in the future, and what you can gain, and what you are reaching for, then it's impossible to enjoy the here and now. So, so, living in the present, appreciating what you have, can generate much more happiness than continually reaching for something that you don't have or thinking that you need something bigger and better. The other issue is from a parent model. Think about what we've done to our 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 children. Uh, if we continue like. Sue, you just pointed out, I I have had friends who have bought things for their children that they could not afford, but did it because they felt like that was the way they were going to make their child happy. And you know what the bottom line was? It didn't make that child any happier. The child continued to expect more. And so I think... It, that overindulgence, and we'll talk about that more um, after we get to our next caller. The how bad overindulgence can be, um, and what it does, and how it—it's a negative build of character. All right. Well, thank you, Sue, for starting us off. Your your point is thank you for living in the moment. That's the point we're trying to make today. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. We have Rao in Vicksburg. Did I say that right?
1: Yes, yes, you you got it right. Thanks for taking my call. I'm a senior citizen, and I have lived abroad as well as in this country for uh, 55 years or longer. But So I come from a different perspective. But the point is, I think, I, I make two brief points. One is... That it's in our capitalistic model that builds this idea of more and more bigger and better and makes it cheaper, also. Like, you know, you you can buy a gallon of milk, say $3 something, but your half gallon is priced to be $2 something. And then when you go down, it's even more, becomes more and more expensive unit wise. Same way, if I want to go and buy some, uh, let's say, clips for hanging my clothes. All I want are a dozen clips for hanging my clothes outdoors. But I have to buy 72 of them because that's the only thing available, or that is cheaper. So our model, same way when you go to, you were mentioning about large drinks, after they have become extra large, it's cheaper for you to buy the large drink than to buy the small drink, unit-wise. So the model is to keep on expect, uh, expanding, so thereby you know, increasing consumption. That is the disadvantage. Secondly, I feel you know, that we have this attitude, I mean, all over the world, I'm not saying here. When I grew up in India, and people who grew up here also, I'm sure, uh, during the Second World War and before that, uh, they were very conscious about staying within their means, about you know, being frugal, you know, and living within their means. So that was the model that was handed out. Uh, and but what mm-hmm. has happened is, you know, we have this globalization expanding. So our wants are more than our needs, and that is caused by our expectations. And we uh, identify happiness with consumption. That is the model we have. So we're never happy because somebody else next door has something better or somebody else has beautiful that somebody has beautiful husband or whatever. So we are not bigger at a job or whatever. So we're never happy with what we have. Whereas we were taught always to be happy with what you got, make a positive attitude and happiness really is an inside feeling. It has nothing to do with external things. So happiness is attitude of the mind. Like, there is a quotation somewhere uh, that says, the mind is its own place, it can make heaven out of hell and hell out of heaven. So yeah. <laughs> we are not satisfied with what we got unless we change our attitude about what happiness is. We'll be changing it like a mirage, buying sports cars or doing this thing or going to beauty treatments or whatever. So that attitude is something we have to cultivate and we have to faith in our children also, rather than, you know, there's nothing wrong with expecting our children to be better than what we get. There's nothing wrong with that. But giving them most expensive things right up from gender care to kindergarten or something, that is wrong. We have to teach them how to, you
2: know, where the happiness comes from, and, you know, that is the point, I think, that that we need to stress. I I think you're right, Rao, and I, I do think that that, the the size and the not being satisfied and the better deals for more sometimes I'm not saying that there there are times when we do need to think about how you can save I think one of the wealthiest um men in the country um once said I think it was Warren Buffett who said, there are some things that you should buy in bulk, but there are some things that that you don't need at all. And and so that's where we need to go with all this. Um, but you can make happiness, just like Sue was saying. You, If you live in the moment, and I'm, for example, I'm down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast right now. This morning I was up early. And I think one of the most beautiful things I've seen in a long time was the sunrise, just watching that beautiful sunrise um, with the colors in the sky. That's living in the moment. That cost me nothing. It cost me not one penny, but it added it added volumes to my day this morning. So. I, I do think the the overindulgence is something I want us to continue to talk about as we move along in the show. We've had Sue and Brandon waiting on the line for a bit, so let's go on to Sue. Hi, Sue. Thanks for waiting. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I believe
0: you and I have spoken about Earl Nightingale, the voice of Sue. Guy King and his philosophy on being happy. And it said, or rather, he said, those only are happy who focus on something other than their own happiness. The happiness of others, some goal or pursuit, followed not as a means to an end, but in and of itself. And I feel it.
2: Oh, wow. You know, um, I think that is exactly what neuroscientists are talking about as far as seeking, seeking improvement, seeking positive, seeking good relationships that is where the reward is and so it's it's not gaining possessions but it's seeking improvement in in whatever area of our life in which we need that improvement so that is I think that must be where he's coming from because it certainly makes great sense and you know, I I don't know a lot about Buddhism, but but I I will say that that also that has been um, a portion of some of the noble truths is is that that seeking portion and to become satisfied um, is the overall goal. I'd love to hear from. From more of you um, about exactly where we're going with how to how to make sure that we don't continue to support excess how we don't continue to support the point that um, we're always wanting for more and more um, material possessions okay we are going to go right on back to the phones we have Kathy I'm not sure from where, Kathy, but tell tell us what your thoughts are.
4: Hi, uh, glad to be listening to your show. Um, when I was listening to Sue, I thought about that country song. I think the name of it is Buy Dirt. Um, but that song I love because it's saying buy dirt. It doesn't matter what size you may buy, like a small acre or few acres, but it's not saying buy a mansion. Buy a house to compete with the Joneses. You're buying something that's simple, that's yours, where you can plant a seed for you and your family. And I was thinking about that while Sue was talking about being simple. And the thing about does every child need their own room when you do buy a house? It's like a lot of families start off, every child, even if they're three, four, or five, you may have two that are close in age or something, but does everybody need their own room? Uh, my grandparents and, and parents, you know, uh, my grandparents had a family of 14 and then a family of nine, and they were in a little bitty house, but all the love that they showed with each other and taking care of each other and it's showing so endearing when, like, some of my aunts were called sister. Uh, the siblings called certain ones sister because they were almost like a second mom, but they instead of calling them their name, they called them sister. But I thought about that. But it's like just letting your grands play, your grandkids or your children play in the backyard, uh, just letting them fall down on the ground and roll in the dirt or play in the leaves. Like when we were little, Me and my sister, we would go outside and we would get the leaves off the trees and call ourselves making greens or take the dirt and add water and baking something. When I go into grocery stores, like with my job, I see a lot of little kids and they're in the baskets. But a lot of parents, to please them, they give them a tablet or give them a phone. And their eyes are on that phone or tablet the whole time they're in the store. So they're not aware of their surroundings. They're not even giving eye contact and, you know, seeing uh, the beauty of the people, young and old, around them. Um, And I was thinking about, like, even with kids when we were little and a lot of kids, just giving them a box and let their imagination go with the box is like the boxes are torn up and thrown away but with my kids I used to give them box or give them sheets and the chairs and they would make their tents and their fortresses and they would have a ball. And the other thing I wanted to say about um this stepping outside and with your kids or grandkids, learning the names of trees and flowers and birds, animals, um, and smelling and learning the scents. Uh, the thing of cherishing things like that was sentimental, like your mom or your grandmother's, um, patchwork quilt blanket that somebody made way back when, instead of looking at the old and seeing it needs to be trashed and just getting all new. Or uh, the thing of sitting on the porch and, like you said, seeing the sunrise or just sitting outside and the sun is beaming, but closing your eyes and just feeling warm your body and maybe just soothing music playing along with it all of those things are important to me for happy wow
2: kathy Thank you. you've brought up so many wonderful points that that i think as we step through this i hope everyone heard some of what she said as far as the simple things so many times children get um, electronic toys, okay, battery-run toys, for example, um, they, they might be fun and, and exciting at first, but typically the, the excitement goes away. So let me make a suggestion to families. When you want to purchase a, an electronic toy or something like that, instead of purchasing one for each, why not think about doing one for the family so that they can take turns enjoying something like that because the enjoyment will go away. The way to use that one toy is going to be the same way over and over again. Whereas if you're using something like block building, Jenga, Legos, playing chess, board games. Keep in mind that all of those are reusable in many, many different ways. You can take a set of, of, of Legos or building blocks and make many different designs. The other issue is that it's really good for the kid and good for the brain and good for interaction. Now, I want to bring something else up that Kathy brought up, the fact that when children are taught that they have their own room and their own things and nobody else can touch them, what happens to that individuals as they grow and become adults? Do you think they, they turn into giving and sharing adults? Um How do you think that individual moves into the next stage of life? Typically, probably not as easily as they would if they had been taught to share. Um, Perhaps if they were an only child, to to teach them how to share with with others, with friends and cousins. But, But the importance of learning how To to not be self-centered and so materialistic um, is a good lesson in life for later. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about how to make people less selfish as we move along toward the end of the show. But, But I also wanted to emphasize something else that Kathy brought up, and that is our disposable society that we have. Um, to appreciate the old and to refurbish the old rather than expecting always something new is, is, I think, important. And it's not just money saving, but it's also environmentally saving. And so to teach the responsibility of, of not being a th- throwaway society is another big important piece of where we should be going with the the teachings in our life. And that is how you can get get out of excess. I wonder if it would not benefit all of us to take a look through our homes and see if there's something that perhaps we should give away during these holidays to give to others. Um, It might be something... An, a grandchild might adore rather than buying them something new. So, something to think about. Just to, I'd wonder, listeners, if any of you have done that. Have you gone through your household and looked through things as, as you've moved along? Feel free, jump into the conversation about how you're dealing with the holidays and trying to stay away from excess. Today, we're talking about. Um, seeking better things in life, but not seeking for more material possessions in life. How to be satisfied, how to teach our children and model correctly. And so I think what I'd like to do is, is for us to talk a little bit about that overindulgence, that our last caller just talked a little bit about and how maybe we can, we can get get beyond that. Um, you know, I think simplicity can be such an important thing to remember. And if you if if we try to enjoy the simple things in life, enjoy where we are in the here and now, um, it will help us avoid stepping into that slippery slope of thinking that we have to follow um, what others are doing as far as spending in excess and, and and also overindulging our children because teaching them that as soon as they ask for something, they'll get it. Teaching them that the weight game isn't there um, and that that they don't have to do anything in particular to get the finest of the fine, is doing a disservice rather than any kind of service to any any child. So to, to try to think, as we're moving along during these holidays, that think about what the most important things you would like for your child to enjoy and to come up with something that is perhaps not expensive materially, but very meaningful in in your life and in that individual's life, that child's life. So it may be a homemade item. It may be um, a fishing trip that you're going to give them. It may be a cooking lesson instead of a material possession. Or it may be just an old-fashioned, simple toy. And like I mentioned before the break, it could even be something that perhaps you already have in your house that you want to share with someone else. I think to tell them... You know, my um, my first mother-in-law, um, back in the day when she was still alive, she would often just decide to give me a pretty bowl in her home because she knew that I would enjoy that. So I think that as we are going through all that, to to keep all that in mind, simple things um, for for our children and for our family, to give them a better appreciation of what's going on. All right. So in the last couple of minutes, I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing doing in the future um, as far as our radio show. Um, I think in December, I want us to cover the topic of change and why change is so hard. And this just sort of tags on to what we've been talking about today, because to be able to get out of that materialism excess, we need more and more. It means that we have to change ourselves, change our mindset and teach ourselves to live in the moment. So we'll be talking about change toward the end of this month. And also... um, a little bit about the temptation of things and why, why we have such difficulty in always making sure that we're doing the right thing and not being tempted by other things that are dangling in front of us. All right. So in the last two minutes, I want to talk about how we can stop wanting for more. Okay, and I just mentioned one, and we'll talk about this more in, in the next couple of weeks. You, we've got to change our mindset. So what we're going to have to do is start changing the mindset to enjoy the right things. Now, Kathy and other callers have mentioned that today, and I want to reiterate that. Learn to enjoy what's around you right now. Look around right now in this last minute and think about what you really love about your surrounding right now. I know you can find something, so do that. Make yourself, be grateful for what you have. Be thankful. Make yourself thank whatever being you think um, about what they've given you. And also, think about what really matters in your life. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. on relatively speaking. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope you'll come back next week for more. Uh, today's show was produced by Jay White. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. This show was supported by a partial grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center.